God is not fixing this. That was the headline on the New York Daily News in the wake of the horrific shootings that took place in San Bernardino, California. God is not fixing this. The message reflects an unfolding social media dispute. So there was a dispute going on on Twitterverse over gun control laws. Uh, What inspired it was several candidates for president had tweeted that their thoughts and prayers were with the victims of the shooting and their families. There was a backlash against the prayers, and and what it was was um, the idea that prayer is not enough. One must do something if one really cares about gun violence. What was the prayer shaming on social media calling people to do? To not pray, but to do something. What that, what most meant by doing something evidently was to express an opinion about gun control on Twitter. Thankfully, it's not my purpose to talk about gun control this morning, though that's a worthy discussion. Nor do I think that people who say that they were praying in response to this tragedy meant that the only way to respond is to pray. What I want to address is the perspective behind the words, God is not fixing this. God is not fixing this. The idea that we have to do what God has failed to do reveals a failure to understand and believe the real message of Christmas, actually. The real purpose of what resulted and and will result from the first advent of Jesus Christ. Christmas is the one time of year that is supposed to remind us that God is fixing this and that he will ultimately fix this. God is overcoming evil with good. And so because he is doing that, uh, we can too. We as his people can and should overcome evil with good as well. And so that ties in nicely with where we're at in our journey through Romans. So we're going to look at the passage from Romans 12, verses 17 to 21. I'll read that to you, Romans 12, 17 to 21. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends upon you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Father, help us to see your purpose in this passage. Help us to see Christ in this passage. Help us, Father, to be people who are, through Christ, overcoming evil with good. We ask in his name. Amen. So in verse 17, repay no one evil for evil. Don't repay anyone evil for evil. Repay no one with evil if they do you evil. No one? Yeah, actually, not anybody. Nada. None. You can't be serious. It's hard, but I actually can. 
then what should I do when that, that evil family member attacks my character, when my coworker spreads slander about me? God's word says, give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. Now, this isn't prohibiting calling on law enforcement to protect you and bring consequences upon evildoers and lawbreakers if that's needed. In fact, Romans chapter 13 uh, talks about the, the valid purpose of that. What it does do is prohibit personal payback for evil done to you. Few things are more instructive to us than, than when someone does evil to us, or more instinctive to us than when someone does evil to us, or to those we love. We want them to receive payback or punishment for their wrongdoing. The legitimate part of that is, is we want justice. God is just and he does what is just and will one day bring about full justice to and for all people. But we are not to take justice into our own hands and repay evil for evil. Instead, we are to give thought to think about doing what is good, what is honorable, what is noble in the sight of all. Don't react to evil so as to do evil in return. Paul says this in another passage in 1 Thessalonians 5.15. He says virtually the same thing. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil. Don't repay anyone evil for evil. But always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Don't just react with payback to evil done to you. Rather, think about what would be good, what others would recognize as an effort to do good what is honorable, rather than what is merely self-serving. Actually, this is a further application of what Paul said back in verse 14, where he said, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. So give thought to do what is honorable. Think about how can I bless in return for evil? Officer Garrett Swayze was the officer killed November 27th trying to rescue people at a shooting in a Planned Parenthood facility in Colorado Springs. The Planned Parenthood Center was not in his jurisdiction. He responded due to the urgency of the situation. Swayze was shot while saving people at a place that did what he abhorred. He was opposed to abortion. But he didn't hesitate to risk his life to save people at Planned Parenthood. The news media acknowledged his heroism and, and his faith. He did what was honorable in the sight of all. But it doesn't always work. The people uh, appreciate that. As Paul says in verse 18, If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Sometimes this verse is taken out of context to, to imply that um, you should never state your Christian convictions or live your Christian convictions lest they create uh, people being opposed to you. If they go against the prevailing opinion so that you don't stir any controversy, just keep the peace. But that is not what Paul is saying. He's saying that when people do evil things to you, you don't respond back to them in a way that um, is evil with evil words or evil works. As far as possible, you seek to promote peace. But Paul acknowledges it isn't always possible. As Jesus said in John 15, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. Imagine hating Jesus when he came to, to grant us a Christmas season. It's amazing. 
If you, if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. So we should strive for peace with everyone, but don't forsake faithfulness to the gospel for the sake of peace. Don't be either a peace breaker or a peace faker, but be a peacemaker. Does that work? Could kind of do like a, a little rap or hip hop. Some other time. Don't compromise the truth, but don't unnecessarily offend is what is what Paul is saying. In verse 19, he says, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I, I will repay, says the Lord. He's quoting this from Deuteronomy 32, 35. So it's similar to what he said earlier. He says, Never avenge, never avenge. Avenge means to seek retribution or, or repayment for evil done, payback for wrong done. Is, is it wrong to desire vengeance, to want a person to have to pay for wrongs done? As we said earlier, God is a God of justice. He loves justice. He has created us to love justice. For God to love justice, he must also hate injustice. So in and of itself, it's good and right for us to hate wrongs done, to hate what is unjust. Paul said in, in verse 9 of this same chapter uh, that we are to abhor what is evil and, and hold fast to what is good. So when we are wrong, does, does evil just get to have its way and we just sort of passively hate it? Is that all that there is to it, just hating it? Well, no. When Paul calls us not to avenge personal wrongs done to us, he says we do so as we leave it to or give place to God's wrath, the wrath of God. For God to be perfectly just, he must punish injustice. It's not optional. Not just hate it, and do, but do nothing about it. Therefore, not avenging ourselves, but leaving it to the wrath of God is not just passive resignation to evil done. It's actively trusting God to punish evil to bring his wrath against it. So that begs the question, what is the wrath of God? What is God's wrath? It is his holy anger against sin and evil and injustice. Or to, to explain a little bit further, it's um, God's wrath is his settled anger towards sin expressed in the repayment of deserved vengeance on the, the, the guilty person. Some have rejected the notion that the God of the Bible could have wrath. Some just say, that's not the God I believe in. Uh, they see God as being all love, 100% love and nothing else. Others believe God may have had anger issues in the Old Testament, but he got over it. He's a kinder, nicer, gentler God in the New Testament. They see him as having mellowed over the centuries. He's just gotten calmer. 
part of the reason people reject the idea that God could have wrath is because they've seen terrible examples in their own lives or, or in, in those they know of anger that's out of control, that's harsh, that's sinful, that's um, abusive, explosive, uncontrolled fits, or rage. And so they can't accept God as being like this if, if this is indeed what God is like for him to have wrath. It's true that human wrath is always tainted with some degree of sin or sinfulness. Uh, Just because we have never experienced anger that is not distorted by sin doesn't mean there is no legitimate holy expression of anger. We should be angry at acts of terrorism or senseless shootings. If your child is beaten up by a bully, you should be angry. If he was kidnapped, you would be angry. If someone burglarizes you, you get angry. If they commit identity theft against you, you should be angry. If Darth Vader uses the dark side of the force against you, you should be angry. Just don't go over to the dark side. One of our cars had the license plates stolen and replaced with plates stolen from another vehicle. Yeah. And even after the police had this on their records, we continued to, to receive notices for incidences involving the, the, the car with the stolen plates, with our stolen plates on it. So like they said that we ran a, uh, we went through a toll booth in Seattle and didn't pay. And that we uh, wrecked into a, a, a car in front of us at, at the drive through at a Burger King in Portland. So we were angry. And I didn't pray once for the people, I have to confess. I should have. Should have. I didn't. Just because we are not perfect and our anger is not perfect doesn't mean that there isn't legitimate reason for anger. How much more is it right for the infinitely holy and glorious and exalted God to be angry at injustice, to be angry at sin, And if God merely had the emotional response of wrath to injustice and did not punish it, what hope do we have for justice in in the world? If that's all he has. How will justice be done for evils done to you or to anyone if God is just angry but does nothing about it? Since God is perfect in justice, that means he will perfectly execute judgment on all evil. God must punish every sin ever committed, every act of injustice ever done. He must punish it. But, you say, I have a problem with that. I was actually hoping God was was going to forgive all my sins. And that God is love. And not going to punish me in his wrath. Well, it's true. God is love. And he does love, and he does love to forgive sin. He shows his love in in the wrath-absorbing death of his son. And we see this in in Romans 5. We saw it several months ago. Romans 5, 8 through 9. But God shows his love for us. How? In that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since, therefore, we have now been justified by his blood. We've now been counted right before God by his blood. Much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. 
So because we have been counted right with God through Christ's death, how much more will we be saved from the wrath of God? So that's how he showed his love for us. God's wrath that every one of our sins deserved was poured out on Christ so that might be that God might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Christ Jesus. So God is just to forgive us because he did punish our sins. Only he did it in Christ if you've trusted in him. So we can leave vengeance to the wrath of God because he will surely and certainly execute his just punishment of every sin. He's absolutely going to do it. Um, either a person's sins are punished in Christ as, as he was dying on the cross, or a person's sins are punished in God's final fiery judgment. We see this excruciatingly clearly in, in a passage in 2 Thessalonians 5, or 2 Thessalonians 1, verses 6 through 9. This is pretty rough, but it, it just lays it out there, the reality of God's, God's wrath. Since indeed God considers it just to repay, so God considers it just to repay with affliction those who afflict you, and to grant relief to you who are afflicted as well as to us, when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, this is his second coming, in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus, they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. The reason Jesus was born was to save us from this terrible judgment. He himself would absorb the wrath due to us. This is how great God's love for us was and is, that he sent his son, the only one who could bear our judgment, and grant to us his righteous relationship with God. We deserved wrath, but instead he made us as close to God as he is himself. We're in Christ. We're, we're in an unbreakable love relationship with God. This is the only way we could be fixed. Jesus is the only one who could fix us and get us out of our fix. And as Paul says in verse 20, to the contrary, rather than taking your own vengeance, rather than paying, repaying evil, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. We should do good for those who wrong us. If they're hungry, Buy them a burger. Of course, if you do that, you might increase their cholesterol and bring further judgment upon them. But if they're thirsty, get them a smoothie, a healthy one. In other words, help them if they're in need. Do acts of kindness for them. Graciously speak truth to them. Pray for them that they might come to repentance, turn to Christ so that his atoning death pays for their sins rather than them paying for them in eternal punishment. We are to be so free from vengeance that we delight in doing good to those who hate us. We are to be so free from vengeance that we are to actually delight in doing good for those who hate us. Really? Then what does Paul mean by saying that by doing this we heap burning coals on their head? It almost sounds like he's saying, hey, you're going to worsen their punishment by doing this, like, like you intend to do that. 
Well, many have taken Paul to mean that enemies will experience burning shame. So that's the fiery coals they equate with burning shame and remorse for their wicked behavior toward Christians when they experience that Christians have done good for them in response to their evil. So some take that, that's what Paul means. And this may move them to repentance and turning to Christ for salvation. Some have, you may have heard this, some have tied this to a a supposed Egyptian ritual of of carrying a tray of burning coals on their head as a sign of contrition. So some say that's where the, the imagery has come from. But it's doubtful that there was such a, an Egyptian ritual and that Paul had that in mind. And everywhere else, this imagery is used for judgment. So it seems best to understand this to mean that just as we are to refrain from revenge because God will judge, like you said in verse 19, uh, so too we are to do good because God will punish those who do evil to us. In both cases, we are liberated from taking justice into our own hands and are free to do good because... We know God will right all wrongs in the end. We trust God's goodness to save those who repent and his justice to punish those who don't. For the same reason, Jesus did not retaliate against his enemies. You see this in 1 Peter 2.23. When he, Jesus, was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He entrusted himself to him who, because he knew God will judge justly, he was able to not respond evil with evil. And he could have taken them down by his own power, but he didn't. Our desire is that those who have wronged us would repent and come to a knowledge of the truth. But if they don't, the very love that we are showing increases the weight of wrath on their head. The more of God's mercy that people reject, the more wrath they heap up upon themselves. And so it is with you and your enemies. The more mercy they reject, the more coals of fire will be heaped on their head. This is not our desire or our aim. Our aim is what Paul said in verse 14, bless and do not curse, pray for your enemies. And this leads him to say what he says in verse 21. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I love this uh, statement from um, a Puritan writer, Thomas Watson. He said, God would never permit any evil if he could not bring good out of evil. God would never permit any evil if he could not bring good out of evil. What God has been doing over the ages since Adam fell is overcoming evil with good. He's in the business of doing that. He does that all the time. That is what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. God overcoming evil with good. Where the God isn't fixing this criticism comes from is we don't yet see everything fixed according to our timetable and according to our perception of how things should be fixed. What has God done that we can trust him to make all things right one day? Well, you know, tell the story. He sent his son into the world as a human baby, as a helpless human, diaper-wetting, crying baby. When you sing no crying, he makes your singing a falsehood, just so you know. He lived the perfect life. He overcame evil with good by preaching the gospel of the kingdom. 
healing and casting out demons. He overcame evil with good by dying for our sins on the cross and being raised from the dead. He ascended to the Father and sent his Holy Spirit to empower his people to overcome evil with good by spreading the, the good news of Jesus and doing works of justice and mercy until he comes again to finalize his work of overcoming evil with good. by punishing those who have not had their evil forgiven through faith in him and by perfecting those who have had their evil forgiven through faith in him. So the reason we can overcome evil with good is because of how God has overcome evil with good for us in Christ. And because he will certainly and finally overcome all evil, making all things new, free of all evil forever, gloriously good forever, God is fixing it and will fix it. It is because God has overcome evil, is, is overcoming and will completely overcome evil with good one day, that praying, while not the only thing we should do, is one thing we should definitely do in overcoming evil with good. As Jesus says in Luke chapter 6, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. What this passage teaches is that the wrongs that people have done to you never force you to repay evil with evil. They never mean you must be overcome by evil. You can always overcome evil with good. Always. Where the wrong involves breaking of the law, part of the good that you may do includes involving law enforcement. Paul says in Romans 13, or if it's not a matter of civil law but God's law, the good you do may include confronting them about their offense. But in all these situations, you can forgive them. You can. You you cannot hold on to bitterness, not remain in bondage to resentment. You do not need to be overcome by these things. When someone slanders you or lies to you or manipulates you, you can always find a way to respond that is good. that honors and glorifies God, that is obedient to his word, that displays Christ's goodness and justice to the offender. Lutheran minister Henry Garricky volunteered to be the chaplain to the 21 Nazi war criminals on trial in Nuremberg, Germany, in 1945. Because he shared the gospel with them and called them to repentance, actually a few of them repented and turned to Christ. Many more of them didn't. All recognized he was genuinely concerned for their good. Your enemy may not be a Nazi, but may be nasty. You can overcome evil with good through Christ in every situation. Let's pray. Father, if you had not overcome evil with good in Christ, we would be just left to vengeance and retaliation or hopelessness or despair. And worse, each of us would be subject to your wrath forever because of your justice because you're perfectly holy, because you can't allow sin to go on and on forever in your universe. 
you obviously permitted it to be for a while because it's here. And we, we have sin and evil that we contend with in ourselves and in our families, in our society, in our places of work, in our schools. But we have a strong hope in Jesus Christ who, because he has accomplished redemption, absorbing, taking the punishment for sin on the cross and overcoming it in his resurrection and granting the victory of that through sending his Holy Spirit, that you're raising up a community of people who are overcoming evil with good in themselves and can be instruments of that in the lives of others. So thank you, Father, for so wonderfully granting us that gift of overcoming evil with good. Help us, Father, where this touches our lives, where we have issues of people who have hated us, who have wronged us, uh, where they've done evil toward us. It's not, we don't mean to take those things lightly, Father. We, we ask for wisdom and help and strength to, to put our trust fully in you, that you will do what is just if we just don't take justice into our own hands. So help us, to Father, to trust in you and to follow your word as it teaches us how to deal with injustice and evil. Father, we bless, we bless you, we thank you, we praise you for giving us Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Mm-hmm.